Chapter One of Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S. J. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Therese. Kilgloom Park by Neil Boyton S. J. Chapter One The Sandwich Sign. Cap, can you see a man for a few minutes? It's, it's mighty important business. Angelo Daly, in cool khaki shorts and open-necked shirt, dropped into the vacant wicker chair alongside his father, the manager of Kilgloom Park. As he did so, a small monkey, who had been riding precariously on the boy's left shoulder, made a flying leap to transship himself to Captain Daly's broader shoulder. The impish monkey would have missed his landing, if he had not grabbed the coat-collar with a clutching paw, and hauled himself up to his perch. Then, taking a firm hold of the captain's right ear, the monkey began to chatter saucily at his serious-faced small master. But Angelo had no time for the antics of his pet. "'Cap, can you see a man for a few minutes now?' anxiously repeated Angelo, sitting up straight in the wicker chair before the executive offices. "'What's the latest trouble you are in, son?' Your mother was telling me something about your report card for May. Hastily the boy explained, No, sir, it is nothing about school matters. Anyway, I can explain perfectly about that, that mark in spelling. This is strictly a business matter. It's about social justice. That's it, about social justice to your employees. The manager of Kilgloom Park turned squarely to face his younger son who undoubtedly now had his father's undivided attention. Importantly reaching into his khaki breast-pocket, while the small monkey stopped to cock an expectant ear, Angelo Daly drew out a grayish-looking white handkerchief and began to unroll it. Greedily the small monkey dropped to the nearer arm of the wicker chair. "'No, buddy, this is not good for you,' the boy warned. But when he had unrolled several layers of protective handkerchief, Angela revealed a cigar with unbroken cellophone wrapper, and alongside it lay two matches. With a sweeping gesture, he offered the cigar, and before Captain Daly could utter a word of refusal, Angela struck a match and held it up. "'Just you puff on that good cigar, and see if it's not worth the fifteen cents it cost me, sir.' Angela saw the look of doubt on the captain's features, and he hastened to reassure his parents. Cap, I know just what you are thinking, but you are dead wrong. That cigar did not come from the park shooting gallery. Do you think I would offer my own father one of those ropes, when I know what the park pays for them wholesale? Good-humouredly, Captain Daly accepted the gift, and stooped to take the light his younger son offered. The small monkey wrinkled his wizened features, and registered his unalterable disapproval of all smoking. He leaped back to his master's side, and reaching an exploring paw into Angelo's breast-pocket, withdrew it, grasping a shelled peanut. Angelo took no notice of this open theft. Anxiously the boy watched his dad. Judging that the embarrassing topic of school reports was forgotten for the time being, he blessed himself secretly and again attacked. The important business matter. Cap, you know Buddy here. I ought to by this time. He's been causing trouble in the park over a year. Trouble is right. You remember last winter twice he almost had ammonia, and four times, not counting that at Christmas, 
He ate too much, and you know who had to take care of him. Captain Daly smoked and waited further enlightenment, as Buddy leaped back to his favorite perch on the captain's windward shoulder. Angelo patted the breast of his scout shirt. I did each time, and I did it better than a trained Red Cross nurse could. You know I would have stayed home from school, only Mother wouldn't hear of it. She, she doesn't know as much about the health of sick monkeys as I do. You ask Oscar if she does. That animal man says I have an unnatural knack with monkeys when they are threatened with double ammonia. Oscar had to take care of one which was sick that way when he had an animal job in the old circus winter quarters at Bridgeport, and the monk died on him on the eighth day. But you notice, don't you, Cap, there is nothing the matter with Buddy, only he is too fresh. This last observation was directed squarely at the pet, who was openly eating the stolen peanut. Now that is just the business matter I want to ask you about, Cap. Buddy is a park monkey, and Kilgloom Park never paid me a cent all winter for all that doctoring and nursing I'd done. Did, I mean, and I worked harder than any trained or untrained nurse would. Some nights. Angelo brought out a frayed sheet of paper covered with many columns of figures. Now I figure my services are worth at least five cents a day, since Kilgloom Park closed last September. See here, it's all worked out on the bill. It comes to $13.25 to today, but I only put a bill in for $13, and we'll call it all square. Angelo handed the bill to his dad, watching him anxiously all the while. The manager of Kilgloom Park puffed at his gift cigar and made a mental resolution to discard it as soon as he could without hurting his son's feelings. Glancing at the bill, he thrust it into his pocket. So that's the important business that is on your mind. Well, Angelo, I've told you before you don't get back on the park payroll till school closes, and if you get any more forty-sixes in arithmetic. Please, sir, it was thirty-eight in spelling, and I can explain that mark when you are not so busy. Honest I can, Cap. You call up my teacher over at Our Lady of Sola School, and see if she won't tell you it was a, a sort of a mistake. Anyway, she marks strict as the deuce. All the children in her class say that, and they ought to know. Why, Cap, one boy who had her last year told me honestly he didn't believe she could give a mark higher than eighty-five. Well, whether your sister can count up to a hundred or not, not one cent of pay do you get for the care of your pet till school closes. The look on Angelo's face showed clearly he knew he had wasted fifteen precious cents on a cigar, and the present business interview with the manager of Kilgloom Park was closed. At that moment, a cool black tomcat came out of the executive office's door, and brushing familiarly against Captain's leg, leaped lightly into the boy's lap. "'Get down, ferocity! Where are your manners?' demanded Angelo. Promptly the cat was hurled onto the pavement. Angelo stood up. He was about to call Buddy and depart, when a vagrant park breeze blew a cloud of cigar smoke into Buddy's sensitive nostrils. The small monkey choked, and then reaching out an angry paw, neatly pulled the cigar from Captain Daly's lips. With another flying leap, worthy of any man on the flying trapeze in the free outdoor circus, the little monkey was back on his young master's shoulder. Unfortunately, in landing, Buddy drove the lighted end of the cigar into Angelo's cheek. Ouch! The boy yelled in earnest, and batted the cigar out of the monkey's paw. 
and falling it landed on the head of the cold black tomcat. Ferocity promptly put on a remarkably good imitation of a spitting pinwheel. The park tomcat dashed away, and the chattering buddy was publicly spanked for his unheard-of irreverence to the person of his master. "'You're a bad monk.' Angelo had forgotten for the moment his failure with his dad, and had turned all his eloquence into a lecture for Buddy. And I have a good mind to change your name from Buddy to Static, for you are a persistent nuisance, etc., etc. Penitently, the impish animal clung to his young master's neck, as Angelo walked away from the neighborhood of the executive offices. He crossed the broad cement paved court of kale gloom. It was a June afternoon in the opening weeks of the new season, and a fair-sized crowd was in the park. Angelo paid not the slightest attention to the pleasure-seekers. His thoughts were not the long thoughts of boyhood. They were the red thoughts of a working man denied social justice by his employer. Unseen by Angelo Daly, ferocity had trailed at his heels. When the trio came abreast of Little Red Rankin's hot-dog emporium, Angelo recalled his chronic state of hunger and was about to charge two hot-dogs when he remembered it was Friday. This unwelcome recollection made him shift his course four points east, and he halted before the saltwater taffy stand, where he had the concessionaire's standing permission to help himself. Filling his pockets, the Coney Island boy turned to discover that Ferocity held in his mouth a section of sausage. Angelo stooped suddenly and snatched the meat from the astonished park tomcat. No, you don't. If I can't eat that today, you're not going to. Buddy reached out a hopeful paw for the meat, and learned that the abstinence ban was on him, too. The cuff he received almost dislodged him from his usual shoulder perch. The boy flipped the end of the hot dog into the nearest refuse container. Then Angelo Daly stopped in the court of Kilgloom, and unmindful of the thousands of park patrons that milled about him, studied the letters on the container. Finally he growled, I oom. A grin that threatened to rip his ears spread across the small Coney Islander's features, and he turned sharply and began to hop, skip, and jump along the Chute Lake Walk. By the new ballroom beautiful, that had replaced the dance hall destroyed in the big park fire of last fall, and by the oval lake, Angelo hastened. Buddy clung precariously to his master's shoulder, and the other partner, Ferocity, trotted in the immediate rear still hopeful that his lord and boss, would relent and return that tempting bit of hot-dog. Before the animal world, where several hundreds were listening to the outside lecturer's ballyhoo, Angelo sped. Back of this animal show building, he halted at a rough door, on which was painted in rude red letters, Paint Shop, Everybody Keep Out. This means you. Angelo looked all around the amusement park's immediate horizon. The coast was remarkably clear. He went right in and banged the door closed, almost severing the black tail of ferocity. In the big room were rows and rows of cans of paint. Brushes in assorted sizes hung in other rows on the walls, and pails and buckets and pots and barrels of more paint stood about the floor. At one end of the general paint shop were frames of signs, and whole alphabets of bulbless electric letters were piled against another wall. Angelo shed Buddy on a table and went at once to the old signs. He selected a small one that had been used last season by a sandwich man in the spectacle on the sidewalks of New York. He tried it on. It fitted amply. 
With the hammer and his scout knife, Angelo unfastened the straps and shortened them. Again he tried the sandwich sign on his shoulders. This time the fit was fairly comfortable. Then the boy went to the shelves that contained rolls of oilcloth, and selecting two white squares, he tacked them over the old lettering on the sandwich sign. Once more he examined the paint pots till he found black paint. He went in search of a small brush, and yelled a dire warning of another spanking as he saw Buddy about to lift an open paint pot. The small monkey promptly leaped to an overhead beam, and began to chatter saucily. You come right down, or I'll paint a black eye on you, and it won't be with paint either. That's what I'll do, the boy threatened as he set to work. I um, that's that, Angelo growled ten minutes later, when he had finished lettering both sides of the sandwich sign to his satisfaction. The big black tomcat and the impish monkey had been sitting side by side, intently watching their master letter the oilcloth. As an added indication of his satisfaction, Angelo Daly reached out with the wet brush and tipped the inquisitive nose of Buddy with black paint. The small monkey sprang up, leaping on all fours trying to shake the paint off, till Angelo grabbed his pet and with his own grayish pocket handkerchief wiped away the dab of paint. Then Angelo got himself into the freshly lettered sandwich sign, whistled for Buddy, and sallied forth. It was supper hour in the great Coney Island amusement park, and business had slackened. Yet several hundred patrons turned to look curiously after the small boy with a tiny monkey on one shoulder and a big cool black tomcat trotting at his heels, who marched solemnly up the Chute Lake Walk. Several cashiers and park guards called to him, but Angela refused to be drawn into conversation. Before the executive offices, he took his station. He walked their length toward the main entrance. Then he turned, like a prisoner in a prison yard, and paced the other way. Back and forth, back and forth, he continued to pick at the offices in absolute silence. Fifty patrons of the park had stopped to watch the performance, and they were grinning and trying to joke with the solemn-faced boy between the sandwich signs. Cauliflower, the ex-pugilist, who took tickets at the main entrance, shouldered his way through the gathering crowd. "'What's the big idea, son?' he called genially to the younger daily. There was no reply from the sandwich man." Cauliflower whistled and pushed out of the curious crowd. Five minutes later, when Angelo turned, he saw the burly ticket-taker again, and behind him was Captain Daly. They were having difficulty getting through the rapidly increasing crowd. Angelo kept right on, though his heart, like a racing crew, within sight of the finish, had increased its beats to the minute. As the captain reached the front line of the crowd, he was able to read the rudely lettered statements that his son bore fore and aft. Captain Daly is unfair to labor. The manager of Kilgloom Park studied the sign and his son for nearly thirty seconds. Then he walked silently into the executive offices, and one minute later Tex Ayers, the park publicity man, came out and whispered to Angelo, Bud, the big boss wants to see you in his private office. Park those banners downstairs and go right up, he added though you might take one of the broader ones along as a protection. When Angelo Daly came out into the warm evening air a quarter of an hour later, with Buddy riding on his shoulder and the faithful ferocity trotting at his heels, his eyes were reddish, but the grin of partial victory shone across his winsome features. 
meeting cauliflower who had just finished dispersing the crowd in front of the executive offices angelo explained all you see i figured out the park owed me thirteen dollars and twenty-five cents for keeping and nursing buddy through all his sickness last winter but cap could not see it however just now we compromised yes i heard you as far as the main entrance angelo ignored cauliflower's mean observation and hurried along well anyway after after that cap had harry the cashier paid me three dollars and twenty-five cents in full for last winter and i called it square cap won't put me on the park payroll till my school closes it's only two weeks off so i guess i can stand it to work for kilgloom park free till then but do you know what cauliflower cap has let us tearing tigers have the use of that new old mill set they call caesar landing in britain for a den this season rent free it's going to be a better den than last year's one they called custer's last stand that got burned up in the big fire i oom you just wait and see i got to fix it up before my brother g t gets home good turn is due next monday angela finished whoopee i just remembered something we three forgot all about supper and i hope mother has something left bye cauliflower come and get it you cat and monk we eat i oom and angelo roaring at frequent intervals the tigerish yell of the tearing tigers coney island's most exclusive secret society started to travel scout pace in a direct line for the daily private apartments across kilgloom boulevard end of chapter one recording by maria therese